Does everybody know what time it is? Cool time. Because <laughs> Al's cool. <laughs> That's right. It's grunt work. No foam alone at night. He's sailing through the crowd. His sailor suit is tight, and the music's playing loud. Al gets rock and roll, and a rock and roll station, and a rock and roll dream. Al's making movies on location. He don't know what it means. But we do here on Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that'll work the phones on Christmas Day to make sure you get top billing, merchandise rights, and points on the back end. I'm your host... Truman, the slag barge man caps, and with me as always is my co-host Landon, the Cadillac of trash man Solano. Uh, <laughs> Landon, it's good to see you, and that was a term of endearment, I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> yes, I know, I'm just surprised it's taken people uh, 40 years to come up with the most accurate nickname for me. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, I mean, they, they came up with this in the 90s when you were still relatively young. At that point, you were yeah. only... You were only the Lexus of trash then, but they were they they had the uh, they had the the title ready for you. Yeah, yeah, I, I had to I had to step into the role. We had to step into the trash, really. Um, <laughs> what was your? Did you have a formative uh, Morgan Fairchild experience? Is that Ooh. too dirty of a question, or or is there like what was? <laughs> do, do you love Morgan Fairchild? Did you before this episode? I didn't. I, I mean, I knew of her. Uh, she occupies this space that is generally foreign to me outside of general reference, which is like Morgan Fairchild, Susan Lucci, uh, soap operas, Daniel Steele books, mm. just things that you hear as a kid and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to categorize that as mom stuff. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> like like the movie Eyes Wide Shut to me as a child, it's like, that is a thing for grown-ups. And like the movie Eyes Wide Shut to me as an adult also, this is a thing I don't understand for grown-ups. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's very much <clears throat> kind of like, you know, perfume or a cologne commercial, just like mysterious, I'll probably get it when I'm older. <laughs> yes, and I, you know, let, let's dive into Morgan Fairchild a little bit more in the deep dive, because um, I was... Surprised. <laughs> we we were all surprised <laughs> on this episode. Uh, I, but surprised also that they haven't pulled out more cameo stops. Mm-hmm. We're, we're almost halfway through the final season, and we haven't had a single cameo, really. I, I mean, well, th- this show does go pretty hard on having former astronauts, or even for that matter, current astronauts <laughs> do cameos. It's just this is kind yeah, of the first. Yeah, and NASCAR drivers, and, and I guess, and of course, uh, the the uh, indelible Rodney Football Field making an appearance uh, once as well. <laughs> but this is the first like actory kind of stunt casting we've yeah. had. Yeah. My my only association with Morgan Fairchild before this episode is my parents quoting the John Lovitz liar character on SNL going, yeah, yeah, they slept with the with Morgan Fairchild, the young Morgan Fairchild. Yeah, that's the <laughs> ticket. So I I only know her as kind of a horny John Lovitz punchline from the 80s and was excited to see that she's so much more. Yeah. Um I, I don't really. I don't know. I, we'll, we'll again. We'll dive more into her later. But you're you're segueing me into um, something very important that we have to address. <clears throat> is, is it is it perhaps about the jalapenist from the previous episode? 
<laughs> it is, yes. It Perhaps is. Our, our, failure to, know. Our, our failure to adequately uh, recognize him. Well, I know Landon because I am the editor of the podcast, so I <laughs> noticed that, that we talked about the guy a lot, but we never discussed who played him in the episode. And I thought, oh, Landon yeah. will be... Landon will be waking it up in a cold sweat tonight when he realizes his mistake. <laughs> I certainly did. And the thing is, we've gone eight seasons, or seven seasons, without ever missing a character actor. And then we've done it twice this season. And the reason is that I have decided to move all the character actor stuff to the end of my notes at the end of the episode. When we're and at I our think sharpest. The moral, <laughs> the moral of the, ep- the, the, the moral is, basically... Never, don't do new things. Yeah, <laughs> You're just going to no. fuck them up and forget. No, never try. Never, never try new things. Never change. Never try anything new. Just always have things in the right place. And uh, yes, yeah, you, won't, yeah. you won't fail. Do not do not amend the Constitution. It's that way for a reason. Um, yeah. Well, no. So do we do we want to talk about him now before we let it go yeah. any longer? This is this is the sharpest. This is our peak mental state. Anything important it, that needs to happen. <laughs> We gotta if if we have to pay our web hosting bills for the podcast, we should do it right now. Uh, if there's any you know letters from luckily, listeners with hard to pronounce last names, do them right now, and we know that we'll yeah. get it right. Luckily, that is uh, mostly automated. All of those things. Um, so the jalopinist, as we uh, dubbed him last week, uh, named Larry, the guy who runs the junkyard mm-hmm. uh, from Tim's first car. Yes. Uh, Great he name. is played by a character actor by the name of Dennis Berkeley, and Dennis he Berkeley. is a very familiar face and voice mm-hmm. uh, to many, many people. And I'm going to start with the one you're going to be most excited about. Okay. Dennis Berkeley voices Principal Moss on King of the Hill. Oh. <gasps> Okay, okay. Now I'm going to say the principal of the school on King of the Hill is not as big a role as Principal Skinner on The Simpsons. Like, the principal well, is not true. as involved in the adventures, but I am still very excited to have uh, anyone from, from the King of the Hill cast here. Uh, Yeah. He goes all the way back to the 70s, early 70s, doing some uh, <laughs> TV. He's in a movie called Bummer. Playing a character called Butts. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. He peaked early in his career, I can see. That was his second credit. Nice. Um, but he's done all of, not all, of, a lot of the big 70s cop shows. Kojak, mm-hmm. Starsky and Hutch, if mm-hmm. I can say those words. Um, Starsky and Hutch. Starsky. Uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Quincy, M-E. Um, Quincy, me? BJ no, and the me. Bear. The Rockford oh. Files. A lot of a lot of uh, TV shows with abbreviated uh, initials in the names. Quincy, that was the seventies. I don't think that's. I don't think that's Dennis Berkeley's doing. Uh, Hill Street Blues, Knight Rider, Ooh. Dukes of Hazard. So like ah, he was well, a Pat- face that was in things uh, yeah. on TV. Yeah. Um, but he was also okay. This is a certain caliber of movie that I've noticed that he shows up in. A uh, movie called No Way Out. Starring Kevin Costner, <clears throat> oh. uh, an innocent man in 1989 with Tom Selleck. Mm. Uh, <laughs> just these kind of like I don't I don't want to denigrate them at all, but like by the book 
thrillers yeah. starring a moderately attractive person, but nothing that's ever going to be pushing the bounds of storytelling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's it's a thing that we make so everybody can hit their union hours minimum, bunch of bunch of crew people get some work <laughs> out of it, you know, and it and it makes, yep. you know, and it makes 80 million dollars at the box office and it costs them 4 million dollars to make and everyone goes home yeah. happy. Now, I know him because uh, he happened to pop up in a number of things in a very short period of time that I was way into. Uh, starting in 1991, he starred in, with Hulk Hogan, Suburban Commando. <sighs> okay, excellent, excellent. <laughs> well, he sta- went- now, starred, he shared this, like, you, you mean it was him and uh, Hulk Hogan, a two-hander between them? I wish. Or, or- I wish. It, w- yeah, it no, wasn't okay. quite that. He, he appeared in it. He supported uh, the Hulkster, yeah. He... Then uh, appeared in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh, picture oh man. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Still Getty. I will not picture that. No, thank you. <laughs> R- uh, Rose, tell then, us about St. Olaf. Get this story to stop. Then he, he went and did a spin kick into Sidekicks with Jonathan Landis and Chuck Norris. Mm. Wow. Um, he and then he was, fell backwards into a haystack in Son-in-Law with Pauly Shore. He, I was, he was really sharing the screen with just a lot of meat for a while there. I mean, you've got yes. Hulk Hogan. You've got uh, and, and I didn't you, even touch it. Touch on all of it. Yeah, you didn't touch all the meat. What what other meat? What other meat was he, he there with before he before he downsized to uh, the vegetable Pauly Shore? Well, it depends on what kind of meat you're talking about. I mean, you've got a you got a lean cut when you're talking about Kevin Costner. Uh, I, you've I got. Mean, uh, I'm I'm talking about thin cuts like Stallone and uh, like uh, and like Hulk Hogan and stuff like that. Those are the you know, give me those t bones. Um, he appeared on a TV show called Sla- E Slash R, mm. which we've Hello. talked about before. Oh, which is um, that's the that's the fool's ER. That's the iron pyrite of actual ER. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, yeah, he was on an episode of NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see Cheers. Surprisingly, oh. he seems like he would be like a a bouncer somewhere. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. That's probably I that's don't... probably who he played in all these Hulk Hogan and uh, and Sylvester <laughs> yeah. Stallone movies. He was the bouncer who's a dick, and then he gets punched in the face or lifted up, you know, by his collar or something <laughs> until they can go into the bar. Uh, and I'm not seeing Frazier anywhere. But the question yeah. is, was he on not E slash R, but E R? I'm gonna say no. He wasn't on E R, and this is not to take anything away. From scroll, scroll. This is not to take anything away from Dennis Berkeley, but uh, I, I just he doesn't have the ER look about him. He doesn't have the doctor or nurse look, and he doesn't look like the sort of character who you'd see being treated on ER. I don't know. Even... You can't see like a, a oh god, there's a big accident. A trucker ran into a, a milk truck. There's still milk trucks. <laughs> Tr- yeah, a trucker on trucker violence. I mean, milk has to get places somehow, Landon. I'm pretty sure it's a truck. <laughs> Um, I, I, okay, I, I, I know that, and it's a, like, I'm not saying it's 100%, I'm just saying I think I'm taking a calculated guess here, and I'm gonna say no, he was not on ER. Okay. Uh, I would have taken a different calculated guess, and not just because he was on an episode of ER. Oh, god damn son of a bitch. ER ran for so long that I, I can't imagine that there's a single type of archetype that, of character that they haven't 
had on that show as a patient at one point or another. I, I wasn't. I, I would imagine the president of the United States is probably a patient on ER at some point. That that pro- yeah, you're right. That that probably makes sense. The entire cast of Night Court was probably on uh, ER at some point <laughs> as as their characters. So Dennis Berkeley, he passed away in 2013 uh, with 137 acting credits. Thank you and Thank you. Uh, apologies for missing you last week. Yeah, so sorry about that. Um, okay, but this week, this week, this we week on Home Improvement, an episode of Home Improvement. We certainly did. Landon, yes. What happened this week on Home Improvement? Oh, all right. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> Al is popular. Mm-hmm. Tim somehow isn't a dick. Mm-hmm. And helps Al's success. All new endorsements and a special guest spot on a movie of the week. Also, everyone love, love, loves Morgan Fairchild for some dang reason. Well, I think it's obvious. <laughs> um, Do you yeah. want to guess that title? Yes, I have three options. Okay. Uh, they'll all probably make you mad, but... Maybe right. not for the same reasons. <laughs> it's as usual. it's an Al centric episode, so you get a pass. Oh, that's good. That's excellent. Okay, first one. Hey, now you're an Al star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I started I started doing that as the talk singing intro instead of the somewhat uh, deep Dire Straits cut that I went with. But then I realized Which I, I love. Pretty, I'm pretty. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um. I but I realized I'm pretty sure I've done All Star before as as an intro, but I don't think I've guessed it as a title. So, you know, I feast love it. on it. Um, okay, next option: Al's Fairchild in Love and War. Okay, yeah. It's, uh, last option: Hollywood Borland, all one word, like Hollywood Land. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I I would have ended on. <laughs> I would have ended on the first one. Yeah, I, I, I clearly should have. I don't know. Sometimes I think sometimes the one that I think is the worst gets the biggest reaction. So I never really know anymore. Um, well, that's just for me. Who knows? From the listeners, they might be they might be hooting and hollering at your last one. I mean, but I don't I don't see or hear that happening. Uh, so really, I mean, you to, to me, does this does anyone listen to this? Who knows? The the whole experience for me is the conversation with you. I am I, I you you are it is an audience of one land and it is just about trying to make my bro laugh. Well, um, then I'll tell you what this title also applies to you. Do you want a clue for it? Or want me to just tell you? Yeah, just tell me. I'm 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 my cheeks are are, are going red already. Uh it's called Mr. Likeable. Oh, I never would have guessed and that. It aired on November 17th, 1998, directed by Peter Bonners and written by Adam England. Truman, Landon, how'd you how- feel about this dang thing? I loved this episode. Absolute all-timer, completely fabulous, hilarious, great running gags throughout, twists and turns, vulnerability, emotional roller coaster, nothing but respect for the writers, the performers, the crew. It absolutely slaps. Damn. Glowing review by Truman Caps. Does this beat um, Randy learning to drive last season? (sighs) Oh, man, that was a really good one. I don't know. I would have to go back and do them side by side. I probably still like that one more, but this one is close. This one's real, real close. In our in our upcoming experiment to put together the the quintessential home improvement playlist, this would make your list. This would absolutely make my list. Yes. Okay. Um, Okay. 
and I would say this would be close to the top of the list until I realized I'd probably want that 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 list should be organized by season so that that you know <laughs> chronologically the, the, yeah, the ages to yeah. my obsession with chronological stuff exactly. Um, but how did you feel about this episode? Uh, no notes, no notes. Like in in that you didn't write any notes. <laughs> uh, uh, both. Okay. <laughs> I didn't write many notes, but also I have no notes for this episode. I I think it's uh, I think it's quite great. Um, definitely a highlight of the season so far. Uh, which isn't really saying too much, but um, I I definitely think this would make the playlist. Uh, yes. I was very enthusiastic by the writers not going in in directions we've seen so many times before and how Amazing. Tim could have approached this. I really feel like they're like, yeah, they maybe like wrote a draft of that. And you're like, I didn't we do this already in season four. Like, what if we just have him support him and see where it goes from there? Oh my God. So good. So I, it, it is so fun to be surprised by this show. I, yes. I, I love that the show can still do it and I love it when it happens. And you know, and sometimes when we're being harsh on an episode, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe you're asking too much. I mean, we're watching Home Improvement, but th- like this is this is the show at its best. This is what they can yes. do when they really turn it to eleven. I um, I completely agree. This doesn't feel phoned in by at, at any level, um, especially the opening uh, tool time segment, which I can't uh, wait to get into. Short, um, sweet, yeah. It everything kind of feels like it works together. And everyone's character feels on point. The performers mm-hmm. feel light on their feet. Yeah, it's just it, it it all works. And I'm very excited to talk about this. Yes. And also props to the show for still being able to do episodes like this when arguably the most popular member of their cast has already left the show. That's that's a cool thing. <laughs> well, don't tell Tim Allen that. Yeah, well, that's, you know, well, no, he might actually handle it well and want to start managing Randy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's what this episode's really about underneath its its surface. Oh man. Okay, we got it. We got to just dive beneath the surface then. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go cast our votes for the most likable person in the deep dive. Um I'm going to go with uh probably the listeners. Um Aww. I'm pan- I'm pandering to the voters really. Um <laughs> So we have we are on tool time. They're showing you how to spray foam insulation, or rather, they have been. And uh, Tim reluctantly reveals that adding more power to the foam sprayer was not a good thing. This cold open clocks in at thirty two seconds long. It is the shortest cold open of all time. Uh, <laughs> so it's true, yeah. So yeah, but now, but one of the funnier ones. I don't know the like this to me really shows their shorthand of like. We could spend a minute and a half doing this, but, you know, like, you know how we got here. <laughs> Be- because we are, the camera, this is all done in one shot also. You've got Al standing right. there in full view, and then Tim is kind of peeking his head out from behind this demo, you know, foam, or this this demo piece of drywall, and there's, like, insulation foam that has been sprayed into it. And Al is saying, so, okay, so what did we learn today, Tim? Well, blowing foam is great for insulation. And... Uh, blowing foam is also great for sound damping. And then uh, Al basically spins the wall section around and Al, or well, Al spins around and Tim is completely covered in this sprayable foam to the point that he is spackled to the back of the wall and everything behind him also is covered in the foam. 
And yeah, the entire back of the set is just dripping with foam. And Al says that, uh, well, you know, on the instructions, it said that that 100 psi was the max for the blower. <laughs> I do. Al does have a little bit of like poison on his voice when he says that. <laughs> he he seems genuinely furious at Tim, and Tim. <laughs> I don't know. Tim Tim has the look of the cat that has gone up the tree and is just now realizing that he can't get out of it. <laughs> um yeah, you know, it's funny cuz we we talk about when they're doing these on location episodes that they're doing something to the set. But I this doesn't look like something they couldn't just pull off the set in a few seconds. So I'm kind of shocked that this is what we got. Yeah, no, this is no, like, I feel like they've done much more elaborate get-ups to the set than just spraying this foam on a bunch of it, which can then probably be snapped right off again. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, but it's it's great. It's, it, I, I don't know, they've, I feel like the hardest lesson to learn in comedy is, uh, not that I'm the one who should be talking about these lessons, <laughs> like I'm an expert or anything, but I feel like... Uh, it, it, to keep a thing short and sweet is one of the hardest things to do. I say this as the host of a yep. podcast that routinely comes to close to two hours long. Um, <laughs> but but so it's so great to see it when they when they know exactly how much time they need for the joke and they do it without too many bells and whistles. I yeah, completely agree. And, you know, it's it's my favorite kind of Tim, too, because it's like he can't joke his way out of it because. <laughs> No, he's he's literally knee deep in the shit. Yeah, yeah. Seeing seeing Tim being confused about how to respond to a situation and trying to figure out, like realizing that he's in over his head, and like Tim Allen conveys that so well without words, and th- yeah. that is his sweet spot. That is where he's at his best. I I completely agree. Um, yeah, ten ten stars for this uh this cold open. I really enjoy it. The, the skies were dark for all the stars had been awarded to this cold open. I, I will say what the actual thing that they're doing here is something that's been in my head because I'm, as I've mentioned, I'm going to be finishing my basement. And I'm like, I want I, I want to turn my basement into a private theater mm-hmm. and I don't want to be the toxic neighbor that's listening to movies, you know. I, I, I lived above a neighbor in my apartment, my last apartment where I was convinced they were watching fast and the furious every single night <laughs> yeah and me- meanwhile your neighbors in wisconsin they'll be trying to have a romantic evening and then they just hear through the wall on like damn that landon <laughs> you are not incorrect on that though oh um, i know I, i've seen i've seen your blu-ray collection <laughs> um well is your yeah, so, so so your plan is to both insulate your basement theater but also to stick yourself to the wall covering yourself in foam in the process right well yeah that once i get my entire library of dvds and book film books up i might be stuck in in some sort of substance like that just enjoying the view but um <laughs> Let's not go there because we're not that kind of podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of like, you know, uh, what substances are produced by enjoyment that then can harden and, and stick you to things. And uh, so anyway, uh, next scene after that, uh, they're uh, they're on set at Tool Time. This is after the opening credits. Uh, Heidi has. Wait, the... I, have, I have a note for the credits. Oh, you have a note for the credits? Oh, get, is it I the, do. He's going by Terrence Smith now. It's amazing, right? <laughs> there is a hidden grunt in the credits that I've never noticed before. Oh, at the beginning, the oh, da, da, da. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You you haven't noticed that? 
or I guess I'm it's the just been counter. it's been I guess so ubiquitous that when I went back because I was even going to do a trivia question for you at one point to ask oh. you how many grunts there are in the opening theme song, and I counted them and. Once I went through again, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's that other one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, like, it never, I, I was never conscious of it before. I guess I've always known it, but it just never factored in my head. I, I'm get, and I'm gonna say that uh, as someone who's been enjoying that grunt for I guess like two seasons now, it's uh, or a season and a half. It's it's art. I love that grunt. That might be one of my favorite because <laughs> it's so it's it's underplayed. It's mixed kind of mm-hmm. low, and it comes on like the offbeat. It's like oh, it's it, I don't know. It almost feels like. I don't know. Like it feels like a SoundCloud remix of the Home Improvement theme, which, <laughs> by the way, there are a couple of them that I have listened to. Some of which I have saved on Spotify because they really rule. Um, hmm. Yeah, no, it's a nice, it's a nice little hidden grunt. I'm glad that you found it. Welcome to the club. Hey, good to be here. Yeah. Um, okay, so we go to Tool Time. Uh, it's like immediately following that episode of mm-hmm. Tool Time because everyone's trying to get the foam off the background. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Heidi comes out. She's got the ratings um, uh, from, you know, which I guess they get every month. And it turns out that Al uh, has off-the-charts likability ratings. And for the first time in 10 years, he's beating Tim. Um, Heidi is really encouraging. And Al is is really shocked and kind of uh, honored by this. And then Tim comes out and finds out that Al is more popular than him. Tim is initially upset by it, but then... He kind of unexpectedly turns around and congratulates Al and says, well, hey, any good numbers for you are good for the show. And uh, Heidi and Al walk (laughs) off. Heidi's encouraging Al that he should start utilizing this fame and start getting sponsorships and doing promotions. And uh, Tim sets the ratings on fire with a blowtorch as the rest of the crew watch in shock, which to me portended a darker direction for this episode that I'm glad we didn't go in. <laughs> uh, yeah, agreed. This is this was the make or break scene, and I'm glad it was so early. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, I don't know, I guess the, the turn, the unexpected turn comes in the next scene, but yeah. Um, where do we want to dive in with this? Because I, I have something that doesn't really have to do with the narrative that I really enjoyed. Uh, well, okay, so... I, you know, why don't you go with that? Because I just have some okay. some general stuff. So yeah, what, what, yeah, now I'm intrigued. You've piqued my interest. What I like is they're, like, the, all the stagehands are in the background sweeping up, like, mm-hmm. chipped off pieces of foam. But yeah. on the workbench in front of them where Al's actually, you know, working yeah. um, are, like, all the trinkets from the the back wall like there's Uh a little tank that he's trying to clean off there's a trophy (laughs) that's covered in foam like (laughs) it was just kind of a nice little touch to go well they probably removed all of those beforehand uh but in order to kind of give them some business they just picked one or two and and put some foam on those so that he can clean them in the scene i and and then also that makes sense though that Al would be like, okay, guys, you here, you get the big stuff, and I'll do the the detail work because that's really you know <laughs> like he wants to be really careful with it. I didn't even I didn't even notice that in the moment, which I think is again a testament to how thankless the job of going this deep on on props and set design uh, can be. Um, yeah, that is cool. That is cool. I like that. So yeah, I I, I like that. <laughs> What well, you know, Heidi is immediately encouraging Al about this and saying you should take advantage of this popularity, which also I guess makes sense because you know that Heidi has monetized her shit. Like she doesn't need this oh, show yeah. anymore. Like I'm sure that the whatever tool time calendars or anything she's doing, I'm sure she gets a really good cut on that. She's probably at car shows and other things, like 
let's let's not go, this is 1998 let's not go making assumptions about that i don't know i'm just i'm just saying i like i like to think that heidi is you know in business for herself i'd like to think that she's an llc she knows I, that they're that you know she has people's attention and that she's utilizing that to you know make money i i also want to think about that and i also wish that for her yes um and, and she also <laughs> I don't know tell- about the reality of it but Oh, well, don't talk to me about reality. They shrank themselves down to four inches tall. Heidi can have <laughs> Heidi can okay. have a great career as an independent businesswoman uh, in the same world that they can go walk around inside a car. Um, okay, I, I, you you sold me. We, yeah, all right, we don't all have right. to deal with that anymore. Perfect. Um, okay. Also, she says that he could be the next Ed McMahon. She tells Al he could be the next Ed McMahon, and Al just goes, "Hey, oh!" And <laughs> I don't really know who ed mcmahon is but i think what? this is i i don't i mean johnny carson sidekick oh okay that makes more sense so his catchphrase was hey uh that was one of them yeah i think that one might have come from a game show um he had a lot of catchphrases though i mean everything <laughs> that he would say on good for him uh the tonight show that is correct sir you know, uh, Phil Hartman had a lot of them when he did the mm. impressions, but... Okay, okay. I, I, like, it's one of those names that I know, it's just I didn't have it in the context of, oh, he was the Paul Schaefer to Johnny Carson. That makes more yes. sense. Yeah, and um, and he wasn't even the Paul Schaefer. He he was like the Andy Richter, because he was sitting on the couch and... Oh, I see. I see. Wait, Doc um, Severinsen was the Paul Schaefer. Yeah? <laughs> but Ed McMahon was also, like, huge into endorsements. Um mm. I think he kind of the 70s and the 80s was like people like Wilford Brimley looked at Ed McMahon and were like, I can do that. Like, I've entered the Ed McMahon phase of my career. <laughs> mm, I see. I see. The, so the way Hank that- Kingsley from from the Larry Sanders show is like a total uh, replica of oh. Ed McMahon. Wait, because he has the thing with, like, the weed weasel or the garden weasel or something, yeah. right? Like, he's yep. trying to get him to do that. On, okay, He's okay. always trying to do some sort of endorsement or charity function or, yeah. All right, okay. This Okay, well, then it makes even more sense that Al would be that. He's or this, the sidekick on a popular show who would then be out and endorsing things. Which um, is odd because then Richard Karn <laughs> would go and do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, that that foot uh, that you know foot care you know all in one uh, you know battery operated foot thing where he's showing people how to use it. Ah, oh, man, that was um, you know I hope he got I hope he got some good supplemental pay out of that too. Yeah, um, I I don't know, and I also like in this scene that uh, you know they th- this scene is kind of a jump scare for the episode just because Tim, <laughs> you know we you know they're say. You know, Tim is starting to get upset about the numbers. He's kind of pacing around and fuming. And, you know, and and uh, Al is talking about how Tim normally gloats and runs around, you know, waving the ratings at everyone's faces and saying, I win, I win. And but that Tim just kind of like thinks for a second and you see him like make the conscious choice to be a better man and just say, no, you're right. Good. Good for you, Al. Congratulations. He like shakes his hand even, I think, and says like he specifically says good numbers for you are good numbers for the show. And it I, I don't know. I mean, it was just it was it was did very. You, did you 
did you look at the screen like you're fry suspicious? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I what, what I, I would have done that, but I was too busy uh, doing a double take at the bottle of liquor that I'd been drinking from and then tossing it aside because clearly <laughs> this stuff is too powerful and I've begun to hallucinate. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's like it, it. This felt almost like the show saying to us, like, "Hey guys, we know that." We know, we know what what you think we're gonna do, and uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's flip flip turn that right upside down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I you are the person who writes down lines of dialogue, and I hope that you grabbed a few of them from this episode. I wish I had done that because there yeah. were a couple of lines in this that really got me good. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but I didn't write them down, so I can't mention them. Isn't that I, good content? That's that's great, man. People are people are mashing the five star button on Apple Podcasts right now. No, it, I I did I was writing down a lot of lines from this episode to the point that it was pissing me off because every time there was a real banger on the show, I would want to write it down, but I'd have to pause to write it down, and I wanted to keep going. So I had a very herky jerky experience watching this episode. I might just mm. go back and watch it again uh, without having to take notes. But yeah, um, although in this. The the funniest one in this in this scene, or the one that I wrote down at least, is that Tim is looking at the numbers. Heidi, you know, when they when she first hands out the the rankings of the cast members, uh, you know, Al says to her, "Ah, great, you won with males aged thirteen to ninety five again." And then when Tim gets them, he looks at Heidi and just goes, "What is it with you and men?" <laughs> which is which is good, which is funny. Yeah, but so so do we do we have more for this for this surprising cold opener? Do we want to head uh, do we want to head home? Uh, yeah, well, that was the first scene after the cold open, but yeah, let's oh, go home. Okay, first scene after the cold open, whatever, fine. <laughs> um, uh, Mark is walking into the kitchen, and Brad is deftly making a sandwich. Uh, I, I'm yeah. very impressed by his, uh, his, his craft work here, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark asks Brad for advice about how to get a girl to stop talking to him. It turns out that Erica, the prettiest girl in school, keeps calling him because she wants to complain at length about her boyfriend, and Mark is, you know, Mark would love to go out with Erica, but doesn't really want to spend hours on the phone every night listening to her talk about this guy. Uh, Brad explains to him that, no, this is actually a great position to be in. You're just a sympathetic shoulder to cry on, and then when uh, they break up, you can just move right in. And so he, you know, Brad is explaining, you don't have to listen. You just periodically have to say stuff like, I hurt when you hurt, or uh, my pain is your pain, or or like, I, I hear you and I empathize with you. And uh, Mark uh, thinks that this is very good advice and says, thank you, brother. So, so, so here's it's... the thing. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I feel like this is dangerous um this is to it... me is the the culmination of seinfeld culture mm -hmm. making its way into the average sitcom yeah and because it's being watered down and delivered by a different type of character it become and and that you've seen it delivered from multiple shows from multiple characters it yeah. kind of becomes for lack of a better term, gospel. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, no, this is just the way to do it. This is the way things are. Yep. Um. So I certainly walked away. Maybe you know, I'm not saying this episode it was the culprit, but like, I, I definitely took this mentality to heart at the time. Yep. Um. Yep. And I just want to point out, like, this is how these things started. Like, <laughs> one thing passes it to another, gets watered down, and suddenly I the the joke and the message is lost. 
uh, yes, no, I, I too, uh, I too am in this post and I don't like it. I am, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I think that, I think that I, I completely agree with you that, that this sort of mentality, I think sort of arose in sitcoms in the nineties and, and infected the brains of many a young man, uh, including mm-hmm. us. And then I think that you see then maybe 10, 15 years after this, then this mentality coming up both in sitcoms and then, of course, into society of, oh, man, she friend-zoned me. Oh, this girl put me in the friend zone. Oh, I like this girl. I, that was happening she, at the time, too. That was definitely a high school thing for me. I mean, well, look, it was that, you know, the experience of having romantic intent for a woman and that woman telling you that she only sees you as a friend certainly was happening. I feel like... Culturally, I mean, it was yeah. on I meant the, TV the term more. friend zone was happening in, in right at this time, too. Okay, well, so, see, all right, maybe it's just because I was not really interested in girls at the time this episode came out, and I was having that, I was having those experiences later down the line. I wasn't aware of the, the friend zone also being there. I saw it as, first, there was a generation of dudes who were taught that, hey, you just have to be a girl's friend and, and act like you really are emotionally invested and then when she breaks up with her boyfriend you can fuck and then that friend zoning came about like 10 years after that as that generation of guys realized oh no there's free will involved and uh i'm mad about that and i need to find a way to make it the woman's fault but okay but so Gross. so friend zone yeah. was in the vocabulary in the 90s yeah. i'm surprised that seinfeld didn't do an episode about that i'm not they might have not used the term but i'm not surprised I'm not convinced they didn't. I think I, that they like started if not if this wasn't patient zero, it was certainly like this was like swingers was like the the um beginning of that mentality not the beginning, but like a uh, uh, popul first popularized that mentality. Yeah. I, I don't know. I remember I remember seeing it heavily represented in like in Scrubs and also in probably like mm-hmm. four episodes of How I Met Your Mother, which is why I associate it with kind of that time period. But this mm-hmm. notion of mm-hmm. specifically like, oh, we have to kiss in the next 20 minutes or else then I'm going to be in the friend zone yeah. or something like right. that. Like it's all about you got to close the what? deal in X amount of time. So much shit was happening, you know, especially How I Met Your Mother was coinciding with The Game by Neil Strauss, which so many. (laughs) I wish I didn't have a personal connection to that book, but um, Mm. Uh, you wrote it. I mean, let's just be honest here. I mean, you know, (laughs) I did. I did not. I will never. uh, One of Landon's many closets is just full of elaborate hats with big feathers sticking out of them and. (laughs) Well, that was that was a mystery, not Neil Strauss, but yeah, um, okay. yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, there, it was just possibly, you know, just the the this culture was gaining momentum, and I it just it kind of this is one of those cringe moments where it's like, okay, it's affecting like the kids on a sitcom that I watched grow up and they're communicating. And, you know, I don't think I, we're supposed to, we're supposed to be laughing at their mentality here. It's yes, like, that's are, not what you're certainly. supposed to do and it doesn't work. But at the same time, the, what you take away from it isn't that because it's reinforced so many other places in culture. That That is kind of, that is kind of what's amazing about it, though, is that we would see stuff because like the spoiler alert, this ends with him talking to the girl, not listening to her, her then asking him for advice, him floundering and her quite 
accurately calling him out and saying, hey, you're a dishonest piece of shit, fuck you, and walking away. Like, <laughs> it, th- this episode makes very clear that you shouldn't do this, but, but yeah. men you know, society-wide, us included, interpreted it as, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, we tuned out the part at the end. <laughs> it didn't which... work for that loser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it'll I... certainly work for me. I would simply do all of these things but not have the bad thing happen, obviously. Right. So, yeah, simple solution. It's like, <laughs> but it's the same way that, you know, around the same time Fight Club comes out of, of yep. you know, a satire of toxic masculinity written by a gay guy and it instead becomes the sort of manifesto for an entire generation of, of you know, uh, toxic to domestic terrorist ass dudes. Like there were, there were so much thing, so many things being put out that were even when they were trying to make the argument or satirize the the bad thing and make the good argument. Dudes were just chopping off the end of it and taking the part that they liked. Yeah, they're like rules to make th- this thing that I want work. Yeah. Of course, oh. I could print that out and put that on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, a book I want to read. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's that's what's going on with the boys. Do you have anything else about uh, the boys? I, oh, yeah, just to circle back to what I started oh, yeah. with. Uh, yeah. Brad making the sandwich was like, yeah, I, there was just something so natural in his way of making a sandwich that it just, it was one of the moments that felt the most like. I wasn't inside a sitcom set watching, you know, actors deliver lines to each other and jokes to each other. It actually felt like I was in somebody's home and he was making a sandwich. Like, there's just so much deftness to how he was making it and, and you know, naturalism and, and doing that while talking. I don't know. It was very impressive. Do, do you think? Like, I haven't even seen Jill work at that level. Like, Jill <laughs> making dinner in the early seasons was just like, I have 16 carrots that I'm all going to, I'm just going to chop up. It's like, like I'm making carrot stew. I I mean, it, honestly, at that point, I, I maybe forgive some of the jokes about Jill's cooking. If literally all they're eating is just an entire <laughs> bowl of celery that she's chopped while having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, may, look, maybe this is the show's way of telegraphing that Brad is a much better cook than Jill. <laughs> well, or, he certainly eats more. Uh, well, okay, that's very true, and and he eats better too. I mean, you, we saw him just grab a fistful of cheese off the top of that pizza and jam it into his face. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it, but it's good though. I think Zachary Ty Bryan worked with a, a sandwich making coach uh, for this scene, so he could really <laughs> yeah envelop you with it. Yeah, um, that's all I had for the scene though. Yeah. Um. So then, uh, Tim gets home. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, gets gets home. He's uh, Jill's out back, and uh, Tim goes out and meets her there. And um, well, wait. Do you want to do, do you want to recap this or or uh, no? You can okay. So Tim comes out and is talking to Jill, and uh, Jill says, "Oh, hey, did you pick up my tulip bulbs on the way home?" And and Tim says, "Oh, no, sorry, I forgot." Hey, Jill, am I a likable guy? And Jill says, "Well, are you going to get my tulip bulbs?" And um, <laughs> but so anyway, he he kind of talks about how you know, he's sort of upset and feels a little bit vulnerable right now because, like, oh, if if Al is now more popular than me, does that mean they're going to make him the new host? Am I going to lose my job? And Jill, you know, kind of consoles him and talks about how Al, you know, Tim found Al, Tim nurtured Al's talent. Al cannot host the show on his own. He's tried and it it sucked. And he kind of, you know, and, and this makes Tim realize like, yeah, I helped, you know, I helped make Al who he is and I should, you know, try and just invest more in Al's career and Al's well-being and help kind of develop Al into the guy he can be. 
And, um, you know, and certainly Tim comes to this conclusion from a position of ego and like, you know, I, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I created uh, an awesome Frankenstein or whatever. And he manages to put down Al for being dull a couple times, but, uh, he, the scene ends with Tim deciding to do nice things for Al and, and care about Al. And even if it is initially driven by Tim feeding his own ego, he still, it's a resolution to like care about his friend, which I like a lot. Yeah, I do too. Yep. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't really even have, so I said, I don't have any notes. No, no. <laughs> like it's, it's a, a great turn. Um, he actually seems to be listening to Jill, mm-hmm. like actively listening when she is responding to, you know, what he's you know revealed to her Yeah, uh, and has a conversation about it and like tries to arrive at a conclusion. As you said, it, it might initially be driven by his ego, but like active listening, I don't feel like is something I see very often in Tim. It's not. Nor nor is nor is it Tim just talking about what he's feeling rather than masking it with anger or crass humor. You know, right. Tim Tim feels threatened by the fact that Al is gaining in popularity rather than what we expected, which was an entire episode about. Tim acting out and trying to knife Al and make people hate Al so that he can get back on top and then apologizing half-heartedly in the last 20 seconds. He just, he just expresses his feelings and shows this kind of faith and trust in his wife and they have a really mature conversation about it, which is beautiful. What, what I like about that and what I think this is the, the point of contention that I think sitcom writers have, or at least executives have about sitcom is that there's not, a laugh per page in this scene. There's, yeah. you know, a few kind of weak laughs about, did you get my bulbs? You know, the, the exchanges you had mentioned already, but without laughs here, it allows me to invest in the stakes and the characters more mm-hmm. so yes. that the laughs that come from here on out are bigger and hardier and more satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a good sacrifice. I, I And, you know, like, we're only six minutes into the episode, and, you know, like, I know what the next 10 minutes are, or next 16 minutes are going to be. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm, like, excited for it now. Yeah. And also, even, you know, it's not laugh a minute, but the but the the dialogue is still set up in an entertaining, pleasing, and fun way. Like, yeah, Tim, exactly. Tim comes, he's talking to Jill. He says, what would you say if I said Al is more likable than me? And Jill goes, duh. And <laughs> then, and then they talk about, you know, Tim talks a little bit more about, you know, oh, the ratings came in, Al, you know, and Al for the first time ever is outpacing me. And Jill goes, so this is bothering you, right? And Tim goes, duh. And it's just, and and these sort of, I don't know, maybe I just respond to this because I uh, fancy myself a writer and I always try to do things like this in my own writing. And so I always appreciate it when I see it, but just callbacks from one scene to the next of certain lines of dialogue, but keep cropping up again and like mm-hmm. things referencing each other, playing off of each other like this. It, everything has so much thought and care put into it that even if they are not cracking jokes about something in every line, it it is still just entertaining to to watch this conversation yeah. play out. I agree. And before I, this conversation peters out, let's move on to the next scene. But wait, no. But before we move on to the next scene, I just want another line. Jill is building Tim up, talking about how great he's been in terms of uh, uh, helping Al out. One thing he 
one thing he points out is that uh, Tim created the tool time salute, so file that away for our own for our own knowledge. Ah, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. But then her line also talking about Tim developing Al. You took a shy, insecure, stiff guy and turned him into a likable, confident, stiff guy. Which <laughs> I'm not sure I hundred I hundred percent agree. I think Al is actually quite dynamic and in a in a dorky way. But uh, I I like the way it was constructed and I like the way it was delivered. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, I also uh, just to get us out of the scene, he says something. He does compare himself to Michael Jordan. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, which you know is what it is, but um, we it gives us a basketball transition into the garden shop. Yep. And yeah, Tim is there to pick up the tulip bulbs that Jill wanted, uh, and then he runs into Al there doing a uh, signing. He is signing bags of fertilizer. And Tim is shocked to see Al doing these endorsements and kind of takes Al aside and tells him, hey, man, I, I think you could like you could do better than signing bags of literal crap. And uh, <laughs> Al asks, you know, asks Tim if he can help him get some uh, bigger, uh, bigger endorsements. And Tim says, yeah, um, this is yet another scene with a with a not jump scare, but like jump, jump uh, heartwarming in it where. <laughs> I, I was expecting this to be a place where like t- you know tim has said all that to jill previously and is dead set on doing the right thing but then he sees that al is trading on his name and then he feels threatened by that but instead tim no takes an interest and tells al hey this could be like what let's make this better for you which i thought was again it's just surprising to find myself liking tim this much i yes i completely agree with you on that and um i, I do <laughs> I like the idea of of jump joy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yes. maybe rom coms need to start inserting that into uh into their movies. Yeah. Um. I actually I have a I have a note that isn't doesn't really have to do with the story. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Give it to me. All right. Autographs. Will you? Yeah. I, I. Why is what you're saying? Why does this matter? Do well. How do you feel about autographs in general? I, I feel gross about it. I feel I I I think I feel <laughs> well. Okay, go ahead. I feel less gross about them than now that selfies with celebrities are a thing. I think in either mm. way, it's kind of gross to walk up to a human being and say, "Hey, can you can you just give me a tang- tangible proof for my friends that I met you, so that my friends will think that we're friends?" Like it, the way it yeah. commod- commodifies a person's existence. Makes me feel weird. And won't someone please think of the poor celebrities for once, please? <laughs> well, what about you? I don't know. I mean, like, I, putting myself in a celebrity's shoes, I actually, it might be easier to take a selfie, uh, you know, in terms of the act. But the mentality, I think, for me, I would rather just sign a piece of paper than, uh, you know, constantly have to worry about how I look and, like, what am I doing in this photo? Where is it going to be posted? Uh, you know, who, who did is I this? have enough sleep? Am I in the middle of an argument? <laughs> who Who is the person I'm posing with? Are Are they the leader of right. a racist organization or something? Am I implicitly endorsing them by smiling next to them? <laughs> exactly. There's so much that goes into the selfie culture that I just don't envy and wouldn't want to be a part of. But yeah. Um. So there's that. Uh. But the like. I understand the selfie culture 
of, you know, like, as you said, it, it does give you clout. It does, like, there's an excitement to it. Mm-hmm. I've never really understood the autograph culture. Yeah. Like, unless you are specifically out to sign a copy of a poster or a DVD that can then be sold on, or, you know, sports memorabilia that can then be sold on eBay later, where it, it, it is, as you said, commodifies it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't quite like what's what is what Al what Al's doing here is signing bags of fertilizer. He's the 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 advertisement behind behind him that's meet Mister Likable Tool Times L mm-hmm. has nothing. It's not even like he's associated with the brand of fertilizer. <laughs> so he's just signing an unrelated product and handing it to someone, and it's like. Well, so is someone just going to keep a bag of fertilizer? Like, what's the what's the <laughs> what's the end game here? That's kind of what I like about it, though. This is what Al would think to do without kind of any outside <laughs> advice. Just like well, I'll go to yeah. a garden supply store and sign whatever people bring me. <laughs> Story wise, yes, I, I, I don't want to confuse the two. Story wise, this works perfectly. It's incredibly delightful and you know really really stupid in a perfect way. Um, I was just speaking more generally when it comes to autographs. I, I just never understood like an autograph book. and But, you know, that's just me. I, I do think, though, in terms of like bombarding a celebrity for their autograph, it's different to see somebody on the street versus like Al has set up a table. Yes. And he's expecting true. people to walk over. Yeah, no, that's a different thing. I just I just wouldn't wait in the line. You know, like if I guess. Yeah. If, if a celebrity... I would for Al Borland. I would for Al Borland. I don't even know if I would for Al... Well, okay, I would for Al Borland. I wouldn't wait in the line for Richard Karn. No disrespect to Richard Karn. I just, like, Aww. I don't want to have... I don't want to stand Even now, for, after eight seasons of Home Improvement, you wouldn't? I just... I don't want to stand in a line for, like, an hour so I can go up to Richard Karn, shake his hand, and for, like, ten seconds, be like, hey, hi, how you doing? Like, I... I stood in a long line to shake the hand of Joel Hodgson, creator of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and it's like, I have a trillion things I would say to him about the TV show, but instead, all I really had time for was like, hi, your show really means a lot to me. Oh, thank you very much. And then the person behind me goes, hey, your show means a lot to me. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, your show means a lot to me. Thank you very much. You could walk up to Richard Carr and go, hey, I know a lot about your show. (laughs) Oh, thank you very much. Okay, next, please. <laughs> I've talked about you on a podcast for the last eight years. Oh, Five that's years. interesting. Security, security over here. This one, the one with the hair who doesn't seem to have shaved. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I would, I would, lo- I would, you know, I would pay good money to sit down with a famous person and like have a drink for mm. I don't know 15 or 20 minutes I mean maybe not any famous but like that would be interesting to actually like have a genuine chat especially with anyone from ho- almost anyone some people from home improvement but uh, I I don't know I, I to just stand in line it's like okay I'm not commodifying their existence because they've con- they've consented to this but then I'm just wasting my time to just have a completely disposable interaction with someone. I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I'm not. I wouldn't denigrate it myself, but not that you are. I, to me, I don't have the whatever it is in my head that gets value out of that interaction. And I, yeah. it sounds like that's what you're saying too. It's yes. Like, same. What you know? I don't know. And maybe it's because we're creators, and to me, it's like a little bit of okay, cool. You did a thing, and you were successful at it, but <laughs> you know, I. 
creating stuff myself, it's like, hey, I know, I know what you go through. You know it. You're nothing special. Yeah. You just got lucky. <laughs> Anyone could do that. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> the fact that you got successful at that means it's less likely I'm going to get successful because you're in direct competition with me for a limited amount of entertainment industry resources. Fuck you. You know what? <laughs> All right, I'm going to bring this back to um, yes. one more thing about the not. Uh, this is more story related. Okay, good. I want to talk not about timeline. The- not just the concept of celebrity and and commodity and and signing one's no. name. Yes, no. Uh, I want to talk about timeline. Okay, tool, tool timeline. Time, we we find out. Hey, Alice surpassed him in popularity. Yes. Okay, great. Tim comes home from that and tells Jill, "Hey, I just found this out. I'm feeling weird about it." Mm-hmm. And Jill says, "Did you get my bulbs?" And Tim's yeah. like, "No, I didn't." Let's talk about this for a second. Tim goes to get Jill's bulbs. Mm-hmm. He's wearing the same exact thing that he wore when he talked to her. True. And Al is already <laughs> at a at a gardening store. Yes. Signing things. The wait, same wait. day that he got the results. Wait, and doesn't he have a sign made with his picture yes. on it? Yep. I mean, you gotta appreciate the hustle. I mean, Heidi says it and, <laughs> and Al just dro- drops what he's doing and runs like Forrest Gump to the print shop. <laughs> I, yeah, that is that is pretty that is pretty good. And also, this is the first time ever that he has been ranked as more popular than Tim, and already there is enough fan base that day for a spontaneous line to gather for autographs at the garden store. Well, listen, we know Al is a popular person. In fact, I I I just think it's this one poll that he's topping him. Uh, for the first time in like it, it must be just be a Benford poll because he was, you know, number three in Detroit, uh, you know, Mr. Detroit a few seasons ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we know the ladies love him. Uh, yeah. I And Al has his own fan club. Tim doesn't. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Where have the yeah, where have all the Al pals gone, by the way? I want to I, I want to <laughs> see them again. It's been so long since they were since they were a factor on the show. Katie Lang didn't sing a song about that one. <laughs> Do you think that uh, do you think that Trudy, except her name isn't actually Trudy, his his girlfriend, do you do you think she tried to infiltrate the Al pals to get to him and then eventually decided, no, the fake rat is going to be a better, uh, you know, (laughs) a a better way to go? Uh, I I don't know. Hmm. Let's talk about that next time she comes up. Yeah, you know, that's a good idea. Um, Okay, while we're at it, while we're talking about this scene, when Tim first walks up, Al is signing the bag of fertilizer, and he says, I hope you enjoy your bag of fertilizer. And (laughs) my note is just yes. Um, I I heard you, I heard each three taps of your keyboard when you type that from a country away. You could could just see see my arms shooting upwards in a victorious pose. Um, (laughs) Al also, you know, when Tim then takes Al aside to talk to him about all this, you know, Al is, you know, Tim says, is this why you left work early the other day? And Al says, oh, yeah, you know, I've been, well, actually, yeah, this makes even less sense because this is supposedly the same day, but then Tim is talking to Al and Al has been leaving work early to do events for the past few days. He opened a lamp store and he was the keynote speaker at Spacklefest 98. So, yeah, how did this happen between him getting the ratings this afternoon and, like, later this afternoon well i mean the only obvious answer to that is tim's wearing the same thing okay um so we're going from no notes to one note uh, <laughs> one note 
yeah, sing, single note, and it's very and it's not pressing enough that I noticed it during my during yeah. my watch. It's my note is Tim, you stanky. <laughs> well, that's that's usually our note, but for different reasons. Um, <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe it fell on laundry day. <laughs> also, uh, also my my last favorite thing about this scene is that when Al is is walking away from the crowd, he he says to me, "Okay, I'll be right back, and just just bring your cars around so I can help load that into your car." Oh my um, god! I love the-, <laughs> the most Al thing ever. <laughs> I mean that's just that's uh, that is adorable. I'm going to sign fertilizer and help you carry it to your car. Like that that is in like that Al is having the biggest ego boost of his life and this is how it affects him. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to just go and help more people. It's great. It's great. I would honestly probably do the same thing. <laughs> no, I I would I would too. I like to tell myself stories about if I somehow ever got famous, like what a cool famous person I'd be and how, you know, which I'm sure every person who ever gets famous says. Yeah, I don't, Truman, all due respect to you, I don't think you'd be a cool famous person. No, I'm not, I'm not a cool non-famous person. I'm already pretty standoffish and introverted. I don't think I'm suddenly going to become better if, if people ever start, strangers ever start walking up to me and expecting things from me. Selfies. Oh, God. So, listen, if any of you listening to this see me on the street and you want a picture, you stay the fuck away. Don't even make eye contact with me. What a dick. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I've become what I hate. Um, <laughs> all right. So, do we want to... All right, we got wanna... a Binford bag of fertilizer taking us back home. Yes. Um, Tim is on a laptop, and Jill comes in. What's Tim doing? Uh, Tim is mapping out Al's destiny using the computer, Um, (laughs) and he's just talking about all of these new endorsements and appearances that he's been booking for him, and and, um, and, yeah, and Jill is is as shocked and impressed by uh, Tim's kindness as as the rest of us are, Um, but, Mm -hmm. oh man, guys, the jokes in this scene... Oh man, did I yes. ever laugh out loud? Do you do you want to? This t- was a do, good one. Do, do you want to do it? Uh, I, I, listen, this is where I wish I had written stuff down. It's a pretty short scene, but yes. um, it what I like about this scene, uh, and I'll I'll get to the reveal in a second. Is as Jill comes in, she's got the dry cleaning under her hand. She's got she's sorting through mail. She's obviously coming home from uh a day at uh you know school. You know uh yeah. Therapy. I can't think of what the <laughs> That the college, it, yeah, which is you know, learning it, psychology. Yeah, yeah, you know, a, a day yeah. at the a day a day at the mental health factory. Yeah, a busy, <laughs> a busy, busy day, and she comes home, and Tim is busy obsessing over a whole different career than he does. And I'm like, <laughs> Jill does so much around this house, Tim. What the fuck are you doing? Just going <laughs> in an area you don't belong. And then the joke. <laughs> after she she's kind of excited for him and then we kind of like it's been this shot reverse shot you know medium close-ups on the both of them and she's like and yet you can't put the dishes in the sink and it's just this big plate uh just big pile up of uh of dirty dishes sitting on the island counter uh it just it called out what was going through my head already and to me i don't know that's the best kind of joke it's it's everything about the way that it's delivered and the way that it's set up, you know, too, because she, you know, we get the shot of him at the table and her walking up. What are you doing? I'm mapping out Elle's destiny. And then she looks and we get, we like, we then cut to from inside the kitchen, this shot where like in the foreground is this pile of, of dirty dishes. And we see Jill just kind of looking at them and just going, 
but you still couldn't get the dishes in the sink. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I, I I don't know. I mean, it there's a subtlety to it and a deadpan delivery that I don't think we see. Like the show is usually so big, and I I loved. <laughs> <laughs> I love the smallness of it. Um, yeah, agreed. But but so you know they're they're talking about this and all these you know and and Jill is just so impressed with with Tim and and how nice he's being about this, and Tim says you know as he's typing away. Al's strengths are his sincerity and his groundbreaking dullness. I can manipulate that kind of talent a hundred ways from Sunday. And then Jill just looks back at the dishes and just goes, and yet, and that's it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> The negative space, the things you don't say. Oh, man. This this episode's filled with those, and I love it. I, I Jill is really good. I mean, Jill is really good in every episode, obviously. But the, in this episode, she, she mainly serves as kind of a sounding board for Tim. Like, she doesn't really have a plot of her own that's going on. She's mostly just sort of... Yeah. Tim is bouncing stuff off of her, and she's giving him advice. And... But it's she still has such a good time with that because she has, she's just kind of making wry commentary on what's going on with Tim, what's going on with the boys. Like it's, it almost, fe- I mean, we talked about Seinfeld earlier. She almost feels like, like Jerry Seinfeld specifically, where there are episodes where, you know, George and Elaine will be wrapped up in something crazy and they're talking about it at Jerry's apartment and Jerry is just watching and just, yeah, tossing out, tossing there, out. There is an, Right. There is a scene uh, or an episode even when I think it's between him and George. I can't remember what the actual context was, but I Jerry's punchline is. And yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think I, I feel like I remember him saying that it, it. I also cannot give you the context, but I. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like George running out of the bathroom with his pants around his ankles, yelling Vandalay Industries and, and collapsing onto the floor. And Jerry just looking right. at him and saying, you want to be my latex salesman like the, Jill is living <laughs> in that energy this entire episode. Yeah, maybe maybe the the Seinfeld style of writing is finally infecting other shows. Uh, you know, it's becoming more normalized. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're also pretty close to the end of Seinfeld's run here. So, uh, that, you know, uh, to- yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah we're, I am we're right. in the final season of Seinfeld. Yeah, oh man, Don't, the, two two of the great lights of uh, primetime TV going off the air in the same year. Um, <laughs> have you got more for for this short? Oh, no, no, it just ended. Season? Actually, it oh, ended Seinfeld? at the beginning of this year. Yeah, so oh, this shit. is the first season without Seinfeld. The ghost of the character of Jerry Seinfeld has uh, inhabited uh, Jill. Got to <laughs> got to exercise that. Your head's spinning uh, around, and she's going, you know, your your father yada yada's in hell. <laughs> the other thing I want to just mention is the transition out of this. Um, in, a, in a really unspoken callback uh, to the man's kitchen, mm-hmm. <laughs> the door, like, uh, uh, taking a cue from the dishes on the counter, yeah. We get like the the outside door of the Benford kitchen, you know, when they close it and then it has the automatic washing system. Yeah, yeah. That door that had the porthole that Benny shoved his face into. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that's what closes the scene out and a bunch of bubbles start going and, and wipes oh. us to the next scene. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Okay, well yeah. done. Well done. Always, always uh, honoring the lore on this show. <laughs> I know. Uh, and that takes us to uh, Mark is on the phone in the living room and Brad comes in. Um, I have 
have to talk about his jacket, but uh, oh, what, what, what's, go- what's going on on this phone call? Uh, well, so, uh, you know, uh, Mark is being the shoulder for Erica to cry on. I guess her boyfriend has just broken up with her, and now Erica's going to come over later to, to talk. And, um, yeah, and and... Mark explains to uh, to Jill that, yeah, I'm helping her through her anguish. And Jill says, what do you know about anguish? And Mark goes, I live with you and dad. Um, but yeah, so and, and Brad is kind of encouraging him and coaching him on using all those lines about I hurt when you hurt and I empathize with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and do you want to keep going through the rest of the scene? Yeah, because yeah, because it, then it just keeps going because uh, Tim and Al come in and uh, wait, uh, Al's, Al's out there. Al is not there. No. OK. I'm sorry, my notes are not great. Yes, okay. Tim walks in. My notes are great. Okay, I didn't want to. I didn't want to uh, impugn my notes. Just wasn't clear. Okay. Tim walks in and he's uh, talking to Jill about how you know all this great stuff that he's got lined up for Al. He's taking Al to get a ship christened in his name, and uh, then Al arrives and announces to Tim that he's hired a manager. And Tim is upset by this because he's kind of. Al's manager, and Al says, no, you're my coach, this guy's my manager, and this team is always going to win. The manager comes in, his name is Roy Becker, he is uh, a really sleazy Midwestern talent agent, uh, who has, I guess, booked other tool show hosts in the past. He is, uh, you know, fast-talking, making a lot of snide jokes about how crappy the Taylor's house is, and uh, Tim is not exactly thrilled to have to partner up with this awful guy. I have... I, I I know I said I have no notes. <laughs> okay. I, I I do have not notes for the direction the show's going, but just questions and and general comments here, which is yeah. Um, once Al came in and said he had a manager, it was only then that I was like, oh, good. You probably don't want your boss of your other job to be the manager of your side hustle. You know, that's a very good point. Also, you probably just shouldn't have your friend be your manager also. Like that if you too. Yeah, if if yeah, that you know, if if you wind up if your manager winds up becoming your friend down the line, that's one thing. But if this person who is your friend is managing your career, probably not the best. So many different conflicts of interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I also did not see because I was so impressed with Tim being nice. Um, yeah, I also, like, it's weird, Detroit seems to have a lot of very kind of, uh, uh, Hollywood fast-talking city slicker types, because I'm thinking of Irv Schmeyman from the Super Irv Bowl, Schmeyman, yeah. and then, and then Roy Becker, who is the same vibe, kind of like, hey, how you doing? Hey, oh, I'm gonna get you a great job. Just, yeah, He's, New York, New Jersey guys somehow made their way over to Hamtramck. I guess it's the big stop on your on your way from New York to L.A. when you're making that that you know that <laughs> trek. You, you you don't hit Chicago. You stop in Hamtramck. You know, um, the Detroit Detroit International Airport is a big uh, international connector to other flights. So, oh, I've had long layovers there. I believe me, I know. Uh, Al is very physical in this scene. As soon as Al comes, in, like yes. Al is just kind of prancing and skipping around a lot like when there's a knock at the door because you know he announces that he's hired a manager and the manager's coming over to help with this brainstorming session al like springs and skips and leaps across the the set to open the door and it's just uh, it's it's fun seeing him so happy it's fun seeing them giving richard karn a chance to really spread his wings yes uh i i would extend that to this whole episode um but uh yeah in this particular scene he's very bouncy yeah 
<laughs> I don't know. At this point, at this point, I've mainly got quotes. So if you've got more questions, I can just I can pepper in quotes later. <laughs> well, no, okay. So one of uh, I'll, uh, a joke of mine I really liked and uh, was uh, when Al's trying to hype up. Um, his new manager, he's like, oh, he's got a great sense of humor. And <laughs> after uh, after the manager says, oh, I like your house. Uh, I used to have one just like it before I moved up. Yeah. And uh, Al's like, oh, <laughs> he's got a great sense of humor. And Tim's like, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know, that one, it was like, it, it's, I don't know, delivered in the same way that Tim delivers other stuff, but... Because he's on the receiving end, there's it's not as prickly and toxic. I don't know. Yes. It's just, and yes. it made it funnier to me. It's it's weird to see a scene where Tim is not the biggest asshole in the scene, and then suddenly when that's happening, Tim's reactions suddenly are not. And also, I guess that he's not delivering it in an angry way. Tim has kind of got a smile on his face, and it's sort of an aside. It just it it's one thing when Tim is saying something like this, but he's talking to someone who is just behaving in a way that he considers dorky or effeminate, it seems like it's Tim punching down. When it's someone who's really abrasive, who's come into Tim's house and being very, very rude to him, Tim can say the same thing and suddenly he's the underdog and we're on his side. It's very, um... Yeah, there's a subtlety to that. I I mean, before we... Before it gets lost, I just... I have to mention Brad's jacket. (laughs) Yeah, what's with Brad's jacket? I didn't see the jacket. Brad is the the bastion for all like forgotten ninety styles on this show. <laughs> uh, he's wearing a it's not quite a trench coat, but it's like it comes down below the bum. Oh, and uh, it's corduroy. This like burgundy corduroy with these big ass buttons. He looks like he's about to go like befriend Paddington. <laughs> like Don't he's ready him. for a, a a rainy day with Hugh Grant. <laughs> he should, he, so you're saying he's going to England uh, after all for that soccer team? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> In that short period where he thought he was going, he went and bought a coat. <laughs> uh, it's not quite a pea coat, but it, it is. It's just like, man, there's something about like '98 to maybe 2001 when corduroy had a big resurgence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody was swing dancing and wearing corduroy. <laughs> Pearl Jam had a song about it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I have to, I have to hit some of the lines that are flying around in this scene. Hit them because because they are just spectacular. When when Tim has first come in and he's talking to Jill about how. You know, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to, Al and I are going down to the dockyard. We, we're going to get a ship christened in his name. And Jill goes, how did you pull that off? And Tim goes, Al has a big appeal to dock workers aged 17 to 47. And Jill says, I wonder who they latch onto when they turn 48. Andy Rooney, <laughs> which is, okay, just, it's, it is, I think Jerry Seinfeld really is the, the touchstone here. Because she's just doing like observational comedy. Yes. Uh, that was where I typed yes because uh, I assumed that we would be going back into the the vault for the Andy Rooney impression. <laughs> yeah, you know what I like when home improvement is good. Um, so uh, also uh, let's so 
when Tim, you know, Tim finds out that Al's got, you know, this manager and he's, he's upset and he's saying, well, you know, Al, you know, I've been managing you. Like I booked you a, a, a gig christening a ship today. And, and Al goes, it's a trash barge. And Tim goes, it's a slag barge, the Cadillac of waste products. And I <laughs> dying, dying. So funny. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think, uh, I guess the only other thing, uh, also when, when they mention Roy Becker, president of Roy Becker and Associates, when when Al is explaining this, Tim goes, didn't he used to manage fishing with Freddy? And uh, at the time I was like, that's not super funny, but then it comes back in a really good way later. So <laughs> yeah. hold on to your Agreed. butts. Uh, fishing with Freddy I, must have been, maybe that was on before Tool Time. Mm. Well, Tool Time had filled the public access or cable access slot that Fresh Fishing with Freddy uh, filled. I think I think Fishing with Freddy probably got canceled because the title was too similar to Cooking with Irma. Like we can't we can't have <laughs> we can't have verb well with I, noun, the, the you know? original Tool Time title was Tools with Tim. And mm. They decided to change that. <laughs> yeah, he well he just took he just took the um, he he just took with out and he just thought I'll just call it Tool Tim that'll be fine. But then there was a typo and uh, you know ah. it stuck. <laughs> Suddenly a monkey turns into a donkey. <laughs> uh next next scene which i guess is the same scene like we go to commercial and we come back um and roy is explaining that he wants al to start doing national commercials as well as a movie of the week and tim and roy are immediately at odds over this tim is saying al is a pitch man he's not an actor he can't do this tim insists look we we've made a commitment to go chris and the slag barge let's go and uh, Roy is saying, no, 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 that's that's a waste of time. I want you to go have lunch with this director who I know. And, you know, it's the sort of competition for, you know, good versus evil. The the, the kid who's the hero of Airbud and Airbud's old owner, the mean clown, both trying to get Airbud to come to them. <laughs> and um, Airbud goes with the bad guy and leaves with Roy to to go meet this director and tells Uh-oh. Tim, can you can you cover for me with the slag barge? Do you think uh, Al? Do you think Richard Karn took that when he went and started in Air Buddies? <laughs> do you think? Do you think like what that that this moment is what encouraged him to go star in Air Buddies, or that like he he had some he, other better commitment, but he was enticed by the evil Air Buddies director? <laughs> I just meant as like acting inspiration, part of his method of you know, okay, I'm starring in Air Buddies. I gotta think back to that moment in Home Improvement when I I went with the bad guy, uh, Mr. Karn. You you do understand you're not playing the dog, correct? You're actually one of the supporting humans, and you don't really need to tap into that aspect of your experience. See, these are all things you could ask him when you meet him at a, the front of his line. That's true. That's true. I just have to, you know, I I just have to talk really fast because it requires a lot of buildup. Um, <laughs> just throw down another 20. I'm sure they'd be happy to hear it. <laughs> uh, so when Roy is telling Al about all these great things he has in store, he says, I want you to I want you to do an M.O.W., and I didn't know what that was either. And but Al says, "Okay, great. What am I mowing?" Just uh, yes, wonderful. he says that. Uh, I and I think you didn't know that because I don't think anyone has ever referred to a movie of the week as an MOW. <laughs> well, the way Tim says it's a movie of the week, Al, I assume like, oh, everyone knows that. I am a fool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe it's some sort of real deep inside Hollywood knowledge, but I, 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 that... I don't think it's. It's it's not normal nomenclature, so oh, you're man. good. Okay, well, well, that's good. That's good. Um, 
yeah, I, I mean, it's it's weird. I mean, I guess I respect, I, I respect how boldly incompetent Roy is to think, hey, this co-host of a tool show has low-level uh, regional popularity. Let's make him a movie star. Like, I like that he e- that he even thinks that could work because honestly, that feels like something we would try to do with Al. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything to get him out of Tim's grips, I would be on board with. Yes, even even when Tim is actually being nice. Um, this is also the first scene where, you know, he's explaining about the movie of the week, and he says, I can get you on the Lifetime channel playing opposite Morgan Fairchild, and Al goes, Morgan Fairchild? I love her! Um, <laughs> count it, folks. Um, Take a shot every time. Yeah, get, get, get ready. I hope you don't have to drive anywhere after listening to this podcast. Um... And then also, I, you when, know, okay, yeah. I'll just point out one thing I like is that, like, in an earlier episode, this would have been the moment when you know it really hits this emotional beat for Tim a little yes. hard, or you know, not even an emotional beat, but just like the aggrieved beat where it's like, okay, fine, if he's gonna, if he's not gonna listen to me, then I'm not gonna, me, me, he's me, gonna me, be me, fired me. from the show, me, yeah, you know, and and. You know, it bothers Tim, but we don't make such a big whiny deal about it. It it bothers Tim, and Tim is sad and hurt, but he does not transition those feelings into anger, which is great. Like, fine, yeah. awesome. That's a like he's he he deals with disappointment in a mature adult way, which which Indeed. is uh, a fun thing to see. Um, there's also the a- next scene. Uh, oh, just ahead. one of the there's there's one line in here from Roy that I really like when you know Tim is insisting that that uh, Al come to Chris and the Slag Barge and Roy says to Al, "Don't let this go to your head, but garbage is beneath you," <laughs> <laughs> which I like, which I like a lot. Good good script this time. Yes. Uh, we do get a Slag Barge to the next scene where yes. uh, Mark is talking to Erica on the gazebo swing Ooh. and boy is the conversation swinging what's happening <laughs> well it's not really swinging uh as hard as maybe erica would like because she's been talking to him at length <laughs> and mark has been kind of nodding and and saying uh pablum and then she asks mark for his opinion about what her ex-boyfriend was up to and mark falters and fumbles and just kind of says uh, uh i don't know i empath i hurt when you hurt and just like a robot who does not compute. And she asks him <laughs> to tell her one thing that she just talked about, and he can't. And she, you know, sighs and gets up and says, you're even worse than my boyfriend. At least he's honest about not listening to me. That's Then she snapping. gives him a, a paradox, paradox and his head shakes and explodes. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. And Westworld is saved. Um, <laughs> and uh, so she, she leaves. Mark goes in. He's mad at Brad. And tells, uh, you know, tells Brad off for giving him crappy advice. Uh, Tim comes back from the uh, dockside wearing a sailor suit that gets a huge laugh from everyone. Tim explains about what happened with Al and Roy. And, uh, and you know, Jill is consoling Tim when he gets a call from Al who's asking for a day off. Because he's going to uh, be playing a bit part in a Lifetime movie that's shooting in town, starring Morgan Fairchild. And when he relates this to Jill, Jill goes, Morgan Fairchild? I love her! (laughs) Okay, uh, number of things to comment on. I want to get to Mark immediately, but I'm just going to acknowledge it really quickly. Uh, Yeah. R.I.P. my TV. Tim wearing that sailor suit looked like he wasn't crazy oh. in the outside. 
Well, how, how did I not? How did I not put that together? Did I block out that much of blocked... Crazy on the Outside? Yeah, that, that's his primary outfit in Crazy on the Outside. It's like it's like Tim Tim saw himself like he was looking back twelve years later at him in this scene where he looks ridiculous and everyone laughs at him and he's like, yeah, what if I uh, what if I made that the centerpiece of a movie? But I was like, but I worked out really hard beforehand, so the tight shirt fits me a little better. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear lord. Um, yeah. okay. Mark on the swing with Erica. Yes. Here's the the problem with Brad's advice in action. Obviously, we see it doesn't work, but yes. What from the outside? What this is going to do? I, and this is just me get, spitting advice to people who already know they don't need this advice. And 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 also you're giving advice to fake people who don't exist because they're characters. Well, I, I'm giving it to the listeners, so oh, I, I don't know. I'm, just, I, I'm pretty sure you I'm all giving... exist. They all exist, but they don't need this advice because they already know that this is stupid. But when this method of pretending you're listening when it's in action, it's so obvious when your eyes are glazed over Mm -hmm. and you aren't engaged in what somebody is saying. Yeah. That that alone (laughs) makes you, I don't know, uh, it's like a non-starter for it. It's like... You're never going to get anywhere if you're not, you know, visually engaged in the person who's speaking to you. Yeah. They're just going to feel like they're talking at a wall and that they're boring you or that you're not respecting them, which is all basically true. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. I I mean, yeah, like what you need to do is get a pair of glasses that have pictures of your open eyes on them and wear those glasses (laughs) while you're talking to the person. So you look very attentive and engaged. (laughs) Paint Huge them on the back of your eyelids. Yeah. It, well, okay. That that also another option. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's just it, it, what's ridiculous to me is like the amount of effort that goes into looking like you're paying attention is actually more effort than actually paying attention. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're you're already bored, you may as well try and find some interest in what this person is saying to you yeah. since you can't, you know. So you're you're committed to sitting here. You can't go off and uh, I don't know make a movie about how your dad's right. never gonna finish the hot rod. So why not listen? <laughs> is is pointless sex so important to a person that they will just sit there miserably doing nothing but pretending to listen, but not actually listening to a person? Like what are you what are you doing in that moment if you're not listening? I I mean that's. Okay, I I both agree with you, but I'm also remembering an occasion 10 or 11 years ago when I did listen to an actress who lived in the apartment upstairs from me talk at great length about her life and philosophies on acting for like four hours in exchange for some of that other thing you mentioned. And it wound up being a fair trade. But (laughs) I think, like... What was going through your head at that moment? I I mean, mean, for for most of the night, what was going through my head was just like, I wonder, okay, what... What, what do I what do I say to get her to leave? Like I was basically trying to strategize ways to end the conversation until hmm. it became clear that other stuff was going to happen, and then I was like, oh, okay, this was worthwhile. Um, I don't think I think that the key here also is that this is Mark acting on advice from Brad, neither of whom is really the most uh, right a- attuned to uh, like. It, thinking things through or, or like thinking about the long-term benefits of a thing. Like, like I don't think either of them ever considered, Hey, since I'm sitting here, I may as well just engage with this person. <laughs> right. Right. The, the unspoken 
you know, other end of this conversation is, you know, we've all been in that position where somebody's just talking at us and needs to vent and, and yeah. you know, takes advantage and you end up spending four hours listening to someone the, you know, you have to set boundaries and be kind about them, you know, like, hey, yeah, you know, let's, you know, we I, I can dedicate, you know, 15 minutes to listening to to this or, you know. I mean, yes. you could say that in not such a, you know, dismissive way, but um, the, the the clock starts now. Uh, get going. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that I don't know. I, I, but I guess also to not to, to come to Mark's defense, I guess still waters run deep, you know, like like yeah. I, I guess I can see Mark being the sort of guy who gets lost in his own imagination and and. You know, just completely. It's not even like, it's not even like. Oh God, I'm I'm just not gonna listen to this. Blah. It's more just like he just is not engaged in the conversation, and his mind just goes off to thinking about the next horror movie he's gonna make, and then then he comes back to it, uh, having to try and answer for everything that he's missed. Finds himself in a real horror movie. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yes. <laughs> yeah. So again, I think that. Uh, uh, Everyone, you should listen to the person who's talking to you always. I'm not saying that it's cool to not listen to people or to try and make people think you're listening to them so you can get some uh, other activities out of it. But, um, you know, I'm just saying I also can understand where Mark is coming from in terms of uh, losing your yeah. train of thought. Agreed. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next scene, shall we? Um, yes. Uh, well, okay, yeah. I said that Tim comes in in a sailor suit and that's... Okay, wait. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, Tim comes in wearing the sailor suit. Jill, and, uh, Jill is cracking up laughing at him. The audience laughs at him for all, not nearly as long as they did at him in the monkey suit, which is stupid. But I Jill think you says, mean "Donkey suit, donkey." Tim, Tim comes in. Where, uh, <laughs> Tim comes in dressed as the sailor. Jill says to him, "So, Captain, where's Tennille? And Tim goes, "Oh, like I haven't heard that from sixty-five hundred longshoremen." Um, <laughs> and then, then Tim explains to Jill about Roy, and and Jill goes. Roy Becker, don't I know that name? Hey, didn't he used to live in this neighborhood until he hit it big? It was just like he tells he tells like four jokes in the previous scenes about how shitty the house, the how shitty this neighborhood is, and getting successful is the only way out of this neighborhood. And it's just it's just great. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So, um, but yes, from there, let's go to the next scene. Now that I've said all the funny jokes. All right. Uh, it's Tim and Wilson out in the backyard. Yeah. Uh. Tim, uh, well, J uh, Wilson is getting his lights ready for Diwali, and, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Tim, do you know what inspired the Indian festival of Diwali? No, I'm still trying to figure out who put the bop in the bop shoo bop shoo bop, and Wilson, as he climbs down the ladder, goes, oh, it was probably the same guy who put the ram in the ram-a-lama ding-dong. Hilarious. <laughs> so good. I, uh, I, listen, I'm not gonna claim I have, uh, you know, precognitive abilities, but that was how I opened last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I was there, and I did, that did not that did not stick for me. I don't even have regular cognitive abilities, so <laughs> you make up for both of us. Um, Tim explains about the movie of the week situation and how Al is now going to be famous and he's going to be acting opposite Morgan Fairchild. Wilson says, Morgan Fairchild, I love her. Uh, and Tim talks about how he feels bad for Al getting in with this guy. He thinks that this guy is going to lead Al astray. And Wilson explains to Tim that, well, you know, maybe the best thing you can do for Al is let him learn this lesson on his own and be there to support him and help him out once things go wrong. Which is... Yep, no notes. Solid advice. <laughs> You know, Wilson Wilson 
conveys this by saying, oh, well, there is this Persian author who said that although God created the mother, her breast, her milk, the children must draw for themselves the mother's milk. We get this reaction shot of Tim processing this and just being disgusted by it. And he just goes, Wilson, you just gave me 12 horrible images. And then, (laughs) you know, so then Wilson goes on and explains what advice he's trying to give and says, just offer Al support so he's not left hanging. And Tim goes, I'll buy him a sturdy jockstrap then. And Wilson goes, hello, terrible image number 13. It's good. (laughs) It's good. It's this is the kind of cleverness in the writing that I love to see. Uh, yes, we get a transition, um, that is taking us to the next scene. Just a a little hand mirror pops up. Um, very, like, I just want to draw attention to the, the transition people again, Jim Prater doing this where he matches, it's a, it's a hand mirror that he has just very tediously lined up with Morgan Fairchild's eye line mm-hmm. you know it's not actually in the scene it's green screened in but it looks like she's looking at herself in this mirror and then a, a big powder thing comes in and um make it powders the scene um into take one on movie of the week yeah you know there's this very emotional scene playing out where morgan fairchild is telling her husband to get out and she doesn't want anything more to do with him and he leaves and then it's al's cue and he comes in he's dressed as a plumber and he uh, gives this very enthusiastic and hammy delivery about how he's snaked the toilet and you're good to go. Um, Al just clearly can't act. They they call cut on the scene. Morgan Fairchild <laughs> tries to coach Al to act better, and uh, and Al is sort of just dumbstruck and intimidated by the whole thing. Should I just go ahead with take two as well? Yeah, just go through the whole scene. Yeah. So then, you know, they do another take. Uh, Tim shows up at this point and is watching with Roy or uh, Rob from backstage. Uh, Roy is his name, in fact. Uh, so they're both watching this. Uh, Al once again blows it in the scene and, uh, winds up calling Morgan, Morgan Fairchild and his acting is just too over the top. And so Morgan Fairchild has him fired and, uh, you know, Roy stalks off, abandons Al, but Tim is there and kind of Al is despondent, but Tim goes over and tells him, no, you did, you did really good. This was great. You know, you take a couple acting classes and I'm sure you can get back to where you were before and, Mm-hmm. Al kind of laments the fact that he got too big too fast, and Tim just, you know, Tim just tells him, oh, no, hey, well, you know, we'll find we'll find new gigs for you, and this isn't the end, and you're going to be okay. And Aww, Al, Tim. Yeah, and Al thanks Tim for his friendship. And uh, then Morgan Fairchild comes up and asks Al for an autograph uh, for her dad, who's a huge fan. And uh, then, uh, you know, Tim comes up and introduces himself to Morgan Fairchild and says, is your dad a fan of me? And, and she says... No, my dad isn't a fan of you, but I am a huge fan of yours. And as she struts away, Tim watches her go, and he goes, Morgan Fairchild, I love her! (laughs) (laughs) So good. Callback gags. Running bits. I love that uh, the way that Al is not a good actor. (laughs) Yes. It's a very specific kind of bad. It is. He, I mean, he's... It's not like he's going on set and going, Oh, Hi, I just finished snaking your plumbing. Yeah. You know, like he's not fucking up lines and being so scared. He's just being Al Borland. Like he comes in and he salutes her. He's like, yes, well, I just finished doing your plumbing. Uh, And now she's like, do you have anything for a broken heart? And he comes over and just like does his like, oh, and like uh, that little pummel he does to people's stomach every once in a while to cheer him up. 
and she like falls out of the chair. I know it's just really funny to me. It it's it's. I mean, Tim says like earlier when Roy first broaches this idea, Tim says he's a pitch man, not an actor, and and. Richard Carn is really playing this as a pitch man in a romance scene, going like, "I've snaked the toilet and you're good to go." It like it, it feels like like Billy Mays here, you know. I am just I'm I'm disappointed that he was fired because I would I, I I I don't know I'm a little bereft that we don't get the romance movie poster with Al Borland and his shirt untied. <laughs> well, which maybe that was the photo shoot that we see in the, the opening thing credits. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Him, him with the, uh, him with the circular saw. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, look, well, first AI can make that, that poster for us. Now, you know, and oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> also, also what I, you know, I, I too am disappointed that this, that he got fired so soon because it's kind of like, it, it seems like, his they they have the line written in the script for him. Good news, I've snaked the toilet and you're good to go. Like in the script for the movie, but then it seems like after that it's just okay. Just improvise in response to what have you got for a broken heart? Because the first time it's like, hey Maggie, what's the matter? And then the next time it's like, <laughs> the next time she says that and he just you know what have you got for a broken heart? And he looks at her and just goes, oh Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> it's um I, I yeah either either he either there are no lines for him and he's just expected to improvise or he is so bad at this that he cannot deliver anything or even remember what his lines are yeah i i don't know this is a i don't know really good scene i think uh it this is what i love is that about this like it's an Al episode and they're giving Al a lot to do and giving him an arc and it's a good balance where yeah the you know at the forefront this is still kind of a tim episode mm-hmm. but they give al enough of an arc to... oh my god dear, dear, dear fucking lord what german what <laughs> oh my god in the background i was going to surprise you <laughs> I, I used ai to try to create a romance poster yes. starring al borland Yes. Uh I I am I'm horrified. <laughs> okay, well this will be this will be posted uh on our website I don't know. I'm assuming. This is kind of I this I feel like it would be NSFW but mm. Okay, well oh, you dear you're, lord. You're sending it to me at least, right? I mean, I you know I'm I love texting NSFW it to you right content. now. I am not I have no I have no W so everything is safe. I don't um, think AI quite knows who Al Borland is. I'll just say that. So well, and they call it intelligence. <laughs> Um, so, okay, well, wait, now, now, I'm not going to start talking until this thing loads, ah, what are we, oh, God, this is awful, what, (laughs) yeah, no, don't put this, yeah, don't put this on our website, this is just a lot of, like, like, mashed up pictures of lingerie girls, and with, with horrific faces, and, and also, I'm going to say it, horrific breasts, really, uh, like, just, warped and manipulated in ways that nope okay it just looks like everyone is smashed up against a window yeah it's, it's honestly yes you know when you make yourself look like a pig by by you know, rubbing your nose up against a window it's that it's, but the whole body Pee Wee herman with a bunch of tape <laughs> Pee Wee herman with a bunch of tape and big luscious fake boobs um so <laughs> Good God. uh so 
a funny thing that Al does is that every time Morgan Fairchild talks to him, he always responds, yes, Morgan Fairchild, or thank you, Morgan Fairchild. And she tells him, you can keep, you could just call me Morgan, but he insists on still calling her Morgan Fairchild. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Very earnest. Um, also, as soon as Morgan Fairchild uh, tells Al he's fired, we cut back to Roy and he just pulls out his phone and goes, hey, yeah, give me Freddy the fish guy. <laughs> So it seems like he's going to recast this one pitch man who can't hack it with a different fish with a different pitch man who can't hack it. Yeah. But uh, he can. Uh, you know, we've seen what he's done with uh with Freddie in the past. Well, we haven't, but we've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what got him out of that crappy neighborhood. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just it's sweet. Like this is the this is the end of the episode is just, you know, uh, Tim being there for his friend and picking Al up when he falls and there's no I told you so. There's no gloating. There's no meanness. There's no to competition. It. There's yeah. no yeah. It's it's all. I, I, this Tim is so great, and I just I, I wish we could see it more often. I, I don't I I don't mind that he's obsessed with cars. I don't mind that he likes to work with tool like all of the other things about him that I maybe complain about when I don't like him. None of that matters when he is kind to the people around him, and when this whole and this whole episode is just about him. Like, his big challenge in this episode, as articulated to Wilson, is I'm worried about my friend. I I feel like he's making a bad decision, and I want good things to happen for him. And mm-hmm. I, I that we get so few episodes where it's Tim's genuine concern for another person, and um, that's a really endearing thing to see. And I love it. It's great. Uh, yep, I agree. And to end this episode, we have a few blue—we have three, like— messed up lines yeah um one i just that i thought was kind of interesting when he approaches the uh the the clerk at the uh garden shop Mm -hmm. uh in the episode his name is fred and when tim is entering in this blooper it sounds like he's you know mentally searching to improv a name Mm -hmm. and comes up with uh yeah i can't remember the name of uh, what he came up with like cred or 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 shred or something like like he mashes up two names as he oh did he flub it i thought he was just like improving a different name every time he walked up to the counter no i mean he says like he says he's i think he's trying to say the guy's name but he mashes it up with a different name so it sounds like gibberish because tim the guy responds hello mr taylor and tim just starts laughing and the extras behind him are laughing Got it. Okay, I I got that wrong. I thought he was like walking up and like every time he did it was like, "Hey Brett, hey Fred, yeah. hey John, hey Eunice." Oh God. Oh, okay. I just got the, I just got the Richard Carn uh, AI images, and and they're all pretty bad, but they all have the look to them of Toy Santa in the Santa Claus too. His face looks like a plastic <laughs> mask, or like those, I, 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 or like those creepy Duracell people that you mentioned. I really like the very last one where his face is r- super red tan, except for the bottom half. <laughs> and I like how in every one of them, he has like, he, he either has meth teeth or he has dentures that replace the meth teeth. You know, it like the, yeah. the teeth are really bad. Like the, the teeth kind of make it horrifying more than anything else. <laughs> it's the eyes for me but yeah let's not uh bother people with something they can't see um and and it would bother you if you could see it so you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't exactly truman okay we are coming to the end of this episode but holy shit have we got a smattering of uh, candy candy (laughs) Ooh, tasty i love it 
character actor corners. But first, let's start with this season's first cameo corner with Morgan Fairchild. Oh, yes. Uh, She is still acting. Uh, She's been on General Hospital, looks like, as of late, Um, at least an Mm. appearance or two. Uh, She has 157 acting credits. Two mm. upcoming. I, um, I I, I want to say, and I'm not I'm not looking at the at the '90s section, so I don't have to guess if she's in ER. But uh, one of her initial the 2000s. One of her first roles uh, is playing a character named Jennifer Lawrence. So maybe that maybe we knew she was destined for good things. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um. So she yeah started on like Kojak and Happy Days, the Bob Newhart show. Maybe she knew Peter Bonner's from that. Mm. Dallas, Mark and Mindy. Um, I don't have any recollection of her. Like I, I do of Joan Collins because she started in these bad Hammer movies, uh, mm-hmm. these like cheap thrillers. Yeah. Um, so, but Morgan Fairchild is like. Started and ended in the 90s for me, and I never was exposed to much of anything mm-hmm. <laughs> in that, that short window. But she goes in both directions pretty extensively. Um, wow. Well, let me give you context. She she goes before the 90s and after the 90s pretty extensively. She was on an episode of Roseanne, which I kind of remember. Um, yeah, I'm seeing if there's anything here that I would have encountered her in i don't see anything particularly no hmm. so just someone who's completely missed my radar yeah oh I, I, freaked yeah i freaked. remember this her in freaked is like the the and actually here in in home improvement is like what i know her as is someone appearing as herself she appeared as morgan fairchild in naked gun 33 and a third Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I knew her as a personality, not necessarily uh, as her talent. I, also in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, it seems like, uh, as mm. herself. Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2, as herself. Um, yeah. There you go. Bikini, Slamming Salmon, as bi- herself. Bikini Model Academy, as herself. <laughs> uh, was she on ER? Uh, I'm going to say, and I promise you I didn't look when I was looking at all the other things she's been in as herself. I'm going to say no, not on ER. As far as I can see, I don't believe she was ever on ER. And she's someone that, I don't know, to me that makes sense. I I can't quite picture her fit in that regard, but, you know, that's me. Uh, she... Okay, same year that that she played herself on Home Improvement, she played herself on an episode of VIP, and she also played herself a year before in an episode of The Naked Truth. Men in Trees, Nip Tuck, playing herself. Uh, Worst Cooks (laughs) in America, as herself. Um, Wow, I mean, she really is an icon. She's a Kardashian before a Kardashian. Kardashian. Yeah. I mean, oh man, it's Uy. Sheriff Wopat back, back from the county line. Okay, who else have we got? <laughs> More Fairchild drinking some herbal bourbon. Um, okay, let's go to Erica, uh, Mark's um, uh, uh, paramour. Paramark. Not, not quite. Just someone he's interested in. Yeah. Um, Courtney Draper, mm, daughter of she... Don. <laughs> has 43 credits going back to Whisper of the Heart. Uh, oh, she looks like she does a lot of voice acting because uh, she also, she did a, she played high school student in the English version, which is a Studio Ghibli movie. Hmm. Um, 
but I can see she does a lot of that because she was also in The Cat Returns. She was also in Ponyo. Was she on ER? No. You are correct. Two ah, for two. Ding ding. Okay. We're not counting. We're not counting. Uh, the the junkyard guy from last oh, week. Yeah. Well, ding. Okay. Which you got wrong. But yeah. Okay. Uh, Thank you for reminding me, Land, and I appreciate this, it. The, last week, one hundred percent wrong. Great. So far, this week, one hundred percent right. Yay! All right, we only move forward on this show where we talk <laughs> about the past. Okie dokie. We're gonna talk about the manager now, Ray. Uh, he is played by a, uh, I don't know if legendary is quite a term for him, but he's been around forever and very, very popular and successful stand-up comedian, Bobby Slayton. Mm. Uh, certainly, Tim knows him from his Laugh Factory days. Uh, he's also an actor. Uh, he's carved a, a niche out for himself with 38 projects, including Bandits, Get Shorty, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dream Girls. Um, I think he was in Ed Wood. Oh. Um, if memory serves me right, Wayne's World 2. Yep, he was in Ed Wood as the TV show host. Oh, uh, oh shit. Okay, no, I Clueless. remember. Yeah, okay, I remember that scene. Oh, okay. Uh, Clueless, the TV series, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dickie Roberts. So, just, you know, he's pretty ingrained in the the um, rogues gallery of uh, stand-up comedians. So, uh... The question is, though, was he on an episode of ER? Uh, I'm going to say, no, he was not on an episode of ER. You are correct, sir. Bobby Slayton was not on an episode of ER. Thank you for playing. 100% still. When I heard his smoky, raspy voice, uh, I first thought, is this Harvey Firestein, the the, (laughs) the, uh, Broadway star on an episode of Home Improvement? This doesn't look like him, but it sure sounds like him. And it wasn't him. Okay, go on. You, You certainly do have face blindness. I, I, I don't know. I the voice, man. I don't. People look different in the '80s or the '90s. He was on an episode of Cheers in the '80s. Okay, let's go to the gardener, uh, or gardening store clerk. Yeah. Um, who was named? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, who cares? Turbo. Who cares? Yeah. Old Turbo. Old Turbo. That's what Tim called him when he walked up to him. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pete Gardner. He is a prolific. Uh, improviser mm. um he started in the movie mo money starring damon wayans mm. uh appeared on arliss jag tracy takes on uh fred was the name on home improvement um mm. that we see him today went on to do angel and the bernie mac show just shoot me seventh heaven lots of commercials Fun with Dick and Jane, Evan Almighty, Transformers, Bones, CSI, Holy Moly, Workaholics, The Middle, Psych. Wow. (laughs) Dude uh, is watching TV pass before my eyes. Yeah. (laughs) But the question is was he on an episode of ER? Yes, he was. Yeah. Was he? Yes, he was. No, he wasn't. He Fuck it. was not. I'm oh. sorry. Your streak has come to an end. Womp womp. Ah, it sucks. But hey, you win some, you lose some. Mainly you lose some. You win some. some, you lose some. Yep. And you know what? I'm going to go through the last three real quick. Uh, I'm going to group them together. They are the crew of the um, movie of the week. We have mm-hmm. the director, we have the sound clapper, and we have... Um, 
somebody else. Who is she listed as the? Uh, oh, Ted, the the actor. I mm-hmm. called her Miss G. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, the director is Ron Fassler. Uh, 83 credits going first from all the way, way back, mostly TV, um, in LA law, St. Elsewhere, Max Headroom, Night Court, uh, Mm. no, no word on whether or not he's in the, the sequel to Night Court. (laughs) I'm going to be watching. And recently in, uh, the Trumbo movie starring, uh, um, Brian Cranston. Nice. Nice. Okay. But. Was he was on NYPD Blue? Was he on an episode of ENR? ER? Uh, ER? Uh, I'm gonna say he was on an episode of ENR. ENR. <laughs> the credit after Home Improvement that he has as Aaron's father on an episode of ER in 1999. Yes. Good job. Oh, nailed it. This okay. is what the game is about. The clapper, who we didn't talk about, but he was he had an attitude on set. Oh, yeah. Uh, Artie Anderson <laughs> has six credits. Um, Third Rock from the Sun, Eight Simple Rules, Home Improvement, are one of the other five ER. Mm, I'm going to say no, none of them are ER. None of them are ER. Way to go. Congratulations. And Lane Beamer, the actor who breaks Morgan Fairchild's heart, 21 credits. He was in an episode of Seinfeld, Quantum Leap, Murder, She Wrote, uh, Wings, and Frasier. Wow. Um, was he sat- on ER? Yes, he was on ER. He was not on ER. I'm sorry. <sighs> well, streak was already over. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Um, that wraps up this episode, except for one lingering question. Yeah, <gasps> that's right. It's the grunt count, Landon. How we many grunts have? Tim is challenging us this season. Oh, he's like, I'm not going to go down without a fight. Mm, no, he's not. He's not. And now I, again, support you in whatever you decide. Uh, I just have to do my due diligence for the listeners to ask the questions Mm because they're not here right now. Yeah. My guess is zero, Mm -hmm. but he does grunt talk. And within grunt talking, not sure whether or not you would count one of them as a grunt. Well, so the grunt talking, I don't count as a grunt. However, there is an explicit grunt when he is talking to Jill in the backyard. Jill says, you know, Al's hosted the show once before and it was a disaster. Al needs you to make it all work. And Tim goes, er? Like that. Just a straight up oh, grunt. I, yep. I miss the question grunts. I don't know why they don't register in my head. <laughs> well, you also miss the grunt that happens at the beginning of the theme song <laughs> in every episode. So maybe it's, okay, uh, maybe it's a pathological thing. <laughs> Uh, the, the grunt that talking that I'm talking about is he goes, Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Now the, the contention, and I just want to make sure we're, we're doing our due diligence here is mm-hmm. the, is it, Oh, oh yeah. Or is it grunt? Oh yeah. It's, it's, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not, it, it's, it's not just grunt. Oh yeah. But it's, it, it they're both O's. You, you, you can oh, hear Oh it. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Yep. So the grunt count is one. The grunt count is one. And it's, it wasn't even the controversial one. Nope, it wasn't. It was, I'm I'm avoiding <laughs> controversy much like the queen. Uh, All right. Uh, R.I.P., I guess. I don't really care. Then, um, to get us out of this episode, Sherman, what did we learn? Uh, this week, we learned that when you support your friends and want the best for your friends, uh, great things happen. What did you learn this week? 
Uh, I learned that if you don't want to take a chance on a new newcomer, that um, fishing with Freddy is gonna nail it every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Call the first time. Many people are saying this. Uh, all right, let's end this episode and tell everyone that grunt work is made possible by the people who pay us. That is our patrons over at patreon.com slash grunt work pod. Uh, leave us a rating or review over, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps people find the show and we are, well, we're going out, maybe not with a bang, but with some noise. More than a whimper. We're going out with a grunt. (laughs) Yeah, that's only appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stop by to say hi to us on instagram at gruntworkpod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com where you can do a bunch of stuff and until next week when Whoops. we bring you another episode of home improvement episode eight no no see scene season eight yeah, yes. episode 10 beautiful you got it <laughs> landed the plane i've been landing landing this plane solano and i've been Freeman caps and remember Al, the world's a stage, and all the tool men and tool women, merely players. 